In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, with Sunday school starting this Sunday, I was reminded of an old Sunday school song that some of us grew up singing. It was one of our favorites. But my warning here is that this song really doesn't have the best Lutheran theology, so I'm not going to recommend teaching it, but it is memorable, and it was one that was fun to sing. And so the words go something like this. You might remember it. In country town or city, some people can be found who spend their lives in grumbling at everything around. Oh, yes, they always grumble, no matter what we say, for these are chronic grumblers, and they grumble night and day. Oh, they grumble on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, grumble on Thursday, too, grumble on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, grumble the whole week through. Do you remember that one at all? Yeah, the grumblers. And I think we like that song because we know that grumbling is universal. It's something we all do, it's something we all hear. But in thinking about grumbling, grumbling's not the same as complaining. It's not exactly the same as disagreeing. Complaining and disagreeing are typically rational responses to something we don't like. Grumbling, however, comes more from your gut. It's an instinctive way to voice that something displeases you. It's an involuntary statement that something is not right according to your world. It's a noise that you make through your teeth that communicates not this again. What are the things that make us grumble? Well, we all know, and there are far too many to list, but I think it's safe to say that we grumble when we think circumstances around us are unfair, inconvenient, maybe even scandalous. We might grumble when a coworker gets recognized by the boss, even though we've worked much harder than they have. Sometimes we grumble because the neighbor didn't mow their lawn like they should, and so their lawn looks awful next to ours. Parents with young children grumble when the kids won't stay in bed at night. We grumble because life just isn't turning out the way we expected. And I wonder, however, how much of what we grumble about is actually the work of God. Perhaps we grumble because things seem to be changing in our lives. We thought things were going very well, but now they're different, they're changing, and that's frustrating. But what if God is actually in the change? What if the object of our grumbling is actually for our good and for the good of our neighbor? Well, that's precisely what sets up our gospel reading this morning. The Pharisees are quite confident that they know what God is all about. They're confident that they know what God values. They're quite confident the Messiah would never act like this man Jesus is acting. Jesus attracts large crowds of tax collectors and sinners. And not only does he welcome them, he eats with them. He makes these sinners into his friends. And you can almost hear the grumbling, the low growls between their teeth. Ugh, they think this guy is the son of God? This is not how it's supposed to work. He's totally misrepresenting what God is all about. And so this grumbling, this judgment leads Jesus to tell stories that make up the heart of our gospel lesson. The parables aren't really about grumbling. And I don't just want to preach to you on the evils of grumbling because our gospel is much too significant for a simple moral lesson like that. But this morning, I want you to pay attention to the contrast in our readings between the Pharisees who grumble over the presence of sinners 
as opposed to God who rejoices at the presence of repentant sinners. That is how Luke sets up these parables. There's a contrast between Pharisees who grumble and the God who rejoices. And our Lord says there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. And he says there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The parables in our gospel reading tell the story of God who wants us to know the fullness of his love. God so wished to be united in love with his lost creation who rejected him that his son takes on flesh and goes to earth and pursues them. Just as the shepherd leaves the 99 to find the lost one, so Christ has left the host of heaven to be born of flesh to find us for our sake. And so it's clear from the entire witness of the Bible that God rejoices when the sinner whom he has pursued comes to him and repents. God does not grumble. God does not grumble because of how awful we once were or how awful we might be living now. Instead, he rejoices when we humbly rest on his shoulders, when we allow him to give us life and we receive the gift of life from him. In his pursuit of us, he doesn't reprimand us and tell us we were naughty and send us to the corner, but he joyfully embraces us unto himself. And he invites all the hosts of heaven, all the angels of heaven, to rejoice with him. And so we must resist the false image of God that suggests that God is an old man in the sky who's trying to squash all the joy and fun out of humanity, because that's not God. Now, the, pro the prophet Zephaniah describes God like this. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. The angel who announces Christ's birth to the shepherds tell them that that event is an occasion of great joy. And at that moment, a whole host of angels began to praise God. The angels rejoice at the coming of Christ because they know he is now pursuing what was lost and now is to be found. And so when we gather on Sunday mornings to receive God's grace, we lift up our hearts and voices with all the choirs of angels, with the whole host of heaven, and we sing and rejoice in the presence of God. There's no basis to grumble in God's presence because we are the lost sheep. We are the lost coin whom Christ has come to rescue. We are the lost, tired, agitated, suffering sheep who Jesus picks up and carries home on his shoulders. He knows that the journey can be too much for us, that we are likely to lose our way in this life. He knows that we make foolish decisions. He knows that we are sinners but he rejoices over us because he has come to find us and to allow us to rest in his goodness. And so like a good shepherd, Christ does not let us go. He always has and he always will pursue us. He's not a Pharisee who grumbles about you. He's not like a vindictive parent who is going to bring up every failure that you've made in this life. He's not going to make you identify every disappointment and hurt that you've caused in this world. 
Instead, he's going to give you rest in his arms. Right after the parables we get this morning in Luke 15, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son. In that parable, God is represented as the father who welcomes back his lost son. And you know that parable, and you know the father doesn't receive him back and recount all of his sins to him. The father doesn't scold him. He doesn't say to the son, I hope you've learned your lesson. Instead, he sees his son from far off, and he runs to him, and he embraces the son. The son who has come home to receive mercy has received a party from his father. The father is overjoyed that his son is there to receive mercy. The father is not grumbling about his son's mistakes. And so in the silence of our own hearts, in the silence of our prayers, in our devotional life, we want to get back to that one truth. In our worship, when we prepare our minds and hearts, we want to set them on that truth. God is pursuing you right now. You would not be in this church on this Sunday morning with these Christians if he were not pursuing you. He wants to give you all the goodness of himself. In his word of forgiveness, he wants to give you new life, a forgiven life, a life of rejoicing with him. And as we gather together, and as we see other Christians who are here with us this morning, remember also that these are people whom God is pursuing. He loves them too. They're not perfect. No one in this church is perfect. And you, I undoubtedly could list all the ways in which the people in this church are not perfect. You know that they're sinners, just as you are a sinner. But each one of us is a sinner over whom God rejoices each time they come to him for mercy. This is how we live in community with one another. We don't grumble because there are sinners in this church. We don't grumble because people aren't perfect. We don't grumble because we make mistakes. Of course there are sinners in this church. We're here because we are all together sinners whom God is embracing. And your prayers for the people in this church, your kind words, your service to all the people here, are a piece of God's pursuit of them. So love one another. Love the people in this church, not simply as people who are close in proximity, but love them as people whom God is pursuing. When the Pharisees grumbled about sinners who came to Jesus, they were showing that they did not understand what God was all about. They did not understand that God delights in showing mercy. They did not understand that Christ has come to save the lost. And as we pray this morning, take a moment to really embrace that we are with multitudes of angels who are rejoicing over us because we're sinners who are receiving God's goodness. We are ones who are once dead, but now have life. And so the angels rejoice over us, as Christ says. This might seem like an ordinary Lutheran church in the Midwest of America, and it is. But don't forget that it's full of angels who are sending up praises for what God has done for us sinners. And of course, we will all at times grumble like Pharisees. The ways of God will not make sense to us. There are times where our immediate reactions will be to mutter through our teeth about how things are unfair. But remember your relationship with God. Remember 
that now he rejoices over you and over all the church because he is pursuing you. It's no mere trifle that we come together each Sunday to do what we do. It's all the work of God who is now eager to rejoice over us. Amen.